I wanted to do something fun this week. This is my birthday week, and I know many of you are probably just in need of a mental break, so this episode is going to be light, fun, and just a way you can get to know me a little bit better, or you can hear some of my responses regarding literacy. I haven't done a random Q&A episode in a while, so I gathered some questions I received from Instagram from my story question boxes. And if you are in need of just an episode that is chill, easy, requires no true thought, or if you just want to dive deeper into my personal life and hear my recommendations on teaching-related questions, you will want to stick around. So today, I am answering 10 randomly selected questions, so join me as I pull at random and answer them on the fly. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Literacy Dive podcast. After the last two episodes of Test Prep Ideas, I am excited to have this episode, which is light, easy, and stress-free. I am going to be answering some questions from you, my audience, and I love doing this and I hope that you enjoyed listening today. If you haven't already, please leave a rating and review of this podcast. And if you do, you will actually be able to apply that action to a game. At the very end of this episode, I am sharing a fun bingo game that I want to play with you for my birthday and I will explain how you can win and what prizes there are going to be at the end of this episode. So be sure to listen to the very end. But for now, we are just going to go ahead and jump into these questions. So what I've done is I have seen all of the questions, I printed the questions, and I cut them apart on slips. And I am basically going to pull 10 of them at random, and I'm going to read the question, and then I'm going to answer it. So. While I have given some thought to the questions that I've seen, I do not know which ones are going to make the cut. So let's get started. Question one, how do you find a balance between work and personal life? And this question is from Maria. So Maria, what I like to do is I like to think about my current values, my overall values. And honestly, since moving, I value making connections and making new friendships. I am extremely extroverted, and the pandemic really hit me hard because I could not see people and cultivate friendships and do things and make memories like I'm used to doing. So balance looks a little different for me. I am also not super routine in terms of my creativity, So sometimes I have these bursts of creative energy moments early in the morning, and for the last couple of years, I've actually found that my creativity ramps up around 7 p.m., hence all of my late-night coffee shop stories you might have seen on Instagram. On those nights, I can work until 11 p.m. or even later. 
So no day really looks the same for me, and I've learned that that's okay. There are other seasons of life when work is a higher priority and I get after it like no other. There might even be days where I'm working on the weekends because I'm so passionate about a time-sensitive project. But people are very high on my list right now, and so my takeaway is that everyone is different. So do what you feel like you need in the season that you're in. Your life is your life and shouldn't be compared to others. And I really believe that if you do what you need in the season that you're in, you're going to be better equipped to tackle whatever your focus is in the next season. So I literally moved the day after my birthday, and now that I'm approaching one year of living in a new location, I am personally making the shift to focus on work more and actively making visions and dreams and goals come to life, and I'm super excited about it. But for that balance, you do have to sacrifice a little bit. So if you know that there are things that you want to do personally, but also things that you want to do within your teaching job or within any side businesses that you have, you definitely have to say, okay, I have to sacrifice and something has to shift in order for me to be successful in all of these different areas. So that is how I find a balance. I think about my key value, is work important? Is my rest important? Is making friends important? And then that's what I prioritize and I fit everything else around my schedule, determining when that is the best time for me to do those other things. All right, great question. Thank you, Maria. Let me go to question number two. Question number two. I need engagement strategies for keeping my third graders focused for the last four weeks of school. Testing is over, and we are all in need of the upcoming break. And this is a question from Tara Lynn. So here we go. There are quite a few engagement things that you can do with your students, especially because testing is over. I know that once testing is done, it seems like the school year should just end because most likely grades are also kind of coming to an end. All of your important learning and strategies and skills the kids need are probably already taught because they had their standardized test. So during this time, these last four weeks of school, you could be working on research projects. This is a great time to let students work on creative, interesting projects, do research, read books, and make presentations and present them to people. You can also do lots of small groups or even one-on-one time to strengthen skills within students, like if they have any deficits. This is a great time to pull some extra groups, give some one-on-one time, and the other kids who you are not working with can be engaging in some types of fun, creative activities or anything that you want them to work on, whether it's by themselves or with a partner, so that you can get that extra time in before the four weeks expire and you're off to summer break. Some other things that you can do are taking the time to explore genres like poetry, drama, biography, genres like that, the ones that we typically don't spend too much time on. This is an excellent time to bring it back to the forefront and to spend some time on it. I know that my students have always loved reader's theater, so this is the time where you can find some really simple plays or dramas. You can also search by the amount of students you want in a play. So I have Googled before and said, I want kid-friendly plays that have five characters, six characters, seven characters. 
And once those come up, I can print them out and then put kids into groups. And then they can practice not only picking their character, practicing the actual play, but then they can create their different props and their character masks. So it's so much fun. And so you can definitely explore different reading genres for this time before summer break. Something else that you can do is put your kids into partners. So like the basic work that you would be doing, you can just now allow kids to work together. So group activities, partner work, anything where kids can collaborate together, that is what you are wanting for them to do. You can also use this time to collaborate with other classes or other grade levels and do reading buddies, writing buddies, anything like that that you might not have had time to fit in because you are so knee-deep into test prep. But now that the test is over, you can actually have fun. The kids love this, but it's also great for teachers. I know that that 30 minutes of being able to watch the kids self-manage and self-monitor and teach themselves with whatever book they were reading or composition they were writing together, I then got to enjoy that time with my friend, whoever's classroom I was in. And so it's really great for teachers as well. If you're in a nicer climate, something that you could do is change the environment. So this is just going to be where, hey, we're going to take our books outside. We're going to grab a clipboard, grab a pencil in your notebook. They'll have no idea what you're doing, but you can take them outside and let them write or let them read in the beautiful, nice weather if the weather near you is nice. So try doing your work outside. The last thing that I can offer to you is just to provide choice. I know that in these last four weeks of school, your students are probably just done. You might be done as well. So the best way to make sure that every day that you're coming, your kids are showing up and ready to work is by giving them options. So the more that they're able to stay engaged, the more that they can choose what they do, the better outcome it is for them to actually perform and get through every school day up until summer break. So providing choice. This is just not being so routine and strict about what they're doing, but just say, well, hey, This is writing time, so you get to choose what you want to write about, or this is reading time. You get to choose where you want to read. So just providing any types of choices will definitely help with getting you through the school year. For question number three, Courtney asks, what is your favorite picture book? Now, I will say that I love picture books. I find it hard to have a favorite one. But there are some series that I have a blast reading, I love sharing with students, and they are my go-to when I think about a picture book. I personally love any of the Kevin Hinkie's books like Owen, Lily's Purple Plastic Purse. I really love Wimberly Worried. And I love all of his mouse characters, and his books are classroom staples for me because there are so many opportunities for making connections, for incorporating reading skills. All of these things can be pulled out of his picture books, so I love that. Another series that I love is the Froggy books that are written by Jonathan London. I own every single one of those books. I especially love it when the line comes up, more red in the face than green, because kids love that part. They literally anticipate when that line is going to pop up, and they will repeat it with me. 
I am a huge lover of picture books, especially in upper elementary, so if you have not made reading them a priority, I would definitely recommend trying that out. Question number four. I don't get much support with small groups or with how to teach content. Has that happened to you? If so, what did you do? And this is a question by Lynn. So Lynn, I have been in situations where I was not given much support. And I've been also been in many situations where I wasn't given many opportunities for training. And that can be pretty stressful. I would recommend collaborating with your team. Find a buddy or actively work together to support each other because this is going to be huge when it comes to sharing ideas and learning what other people are doing and finding success with within their own small groups. I would also recommend that you just ask questions. If you see or hear about someone in your building who is excelling in that area of small groups where maybe you are not as strong, Ask to observe that teacher's class or reach out to ask that person questions at a time that is convenient for them. Sometimes you just have to put yourself out there and you have to do that to get what you need. If there are opportunities for training, I would definitely ask your administration to attend them. The worst they can say is no, but I know that a lot of schools are not actively just promoting, hey, teachers, you can go to any training you want to go to because it all costs money, but if you went to them and asked about a really good training and this is the why behind it, you might shock yourself and be able to attend it. So if you do go that route, at those trainings, make it a goal to connect with others and make it a goal to leave that training with three new contacts. After you get those contacts, you're going to want to follow up with them and keep in touch with them And that is going to be a great way where you can ask about what they're doing in small groups or how to teach certain types of content. I will say that there is a lot of free content on social media. You can join Facebook groups that have other teachers, and they are very, very willing to share pictures of what they're doing, ideas of what they're doing, resources, websites, anything they found that's helped them with small groups or how to teach certain types of content. So I would definitely try to make connections, collaborate, and if you can't do it at your school, do it out of your school, and if you have to, go to the internet to find those people that can support you with small groups. The next question is going to be from Anonymous. I'm not going to actually share the name to this one just because of the question that it is, but the question is, I found you on Instagram and love what you share. How did you grow your following? I want to start a teacher account, but I worry that others won't like my content or won't engage with me, so I've not started one. What words of advice do you have for that? Okay, first off, thank you so much for following me on Instagram, finding me on Instagram, and loving what I share. That means so, so much. And I honestly started the same way as most people, very, very slow. I was encouraged by a friend to start an account, and at that time, I was trying to follow what people said. Post content in your niche and also post content about your life and do it in some type of ratio. And I tried it, and I was not successful at it. It wasn't me. My audience wasn't really engaged by it. And I was not having the same effects as the other people who said to do it. And I knew that I would have to abandon what others said 
and do what feels right for me, do what felt natural, and do what felt genuine for me. So when I got started, I made it a point to post consistently and regularly. For those who did follow me, I wanted to show up. And for those who did not follow me yet, I wanted to make sure that I had content there for them. So I try to share meaningful information as much as possible, as much as I can, enough for a teacher to stop, read, and to feel encouraged to try something new or to continue doing what they're already doing. The biggest contributor to my growth, I feel, is the social piece of social media. I communicate back with every single person who comments on my post or sends me a DM. Now, I will say, nowadays, I am not as quick to always respond, but I do follow up with every person, comment, or DM that needs a response, especially if I see it. There are times that technology is wonky and something might disappear, but I make it a point to communicate with anyone who communicates with me. So naturally, the larger my audience grew, it did become harder. It actually does become harder to keep up. But that's mainly because I am the only one running my account. I'm the only person behind it. And I have to be mindful of balance and boundaries with social media. But responding back to others is a way that I feel that I've truly connected and have grown with my audience. So that is definitely something that I would recommend for you to do. Something else is to share relevant content. Share things that can help teachers. The internet can be a blessing or a curse. It can literally inspire us and foster incredible connections, or it can make us feel horrible and unseen, unloved, and all of those negative things. So ultimately, you are in control of what the internet becomes for you. You are in control of when to take breaks or when to mute someone or when to mute a topic that is not bringing you joy. So my words for you are to believe in your content, believe in your knowledge, and believe in your why. Try to avoid paying attention to vanity metrics like the likes and the comments because you are building your page. The day a new follower comes, they are going to have plenty to see and they are going to appreciate everything that you've shared. So post consistently now, keep your feed attractive, and celebrate any time someone new finds you. You have something to share, and the world really, really needs you, especially the teacher world. So get started, and I personally cannot wait to follow and support you. So make that page. Question number six is... Do you ever feel jealous or like you aren't good enough? Now, I'm going to also keep this one anonymous just because of the, the question that this one is. But I will be completely honest here. Yes, often I am human and I do have these feelings inside of me, especially when building a brand and oftentimes feeling like I am competing with so many others in the same industry as me. I also have a hard time finishing projects and working super fast. So I think it literally takes me 10 times as long as others to do the same task. And I do feel jealous and I do feel like some days I just want to quit, but I don't. I have to remind myself of my why. And my why is to help teachers and to help students all over the world. And if I quit, then I am negatively impacting so many others who learn from me. So these feelings are normal for me. And I feel that they are normal for other humans, but it's important not to stay there. 
So things that I personally do when I am feeling this way is I like to open up to close friends, family, or even my therapist. When I can voice how I feel, a big layer of secrecy immediately goes away and I can just begin working through the process. I was also in a program where I learned a formula to helping me work through my thoughts and my feelings because basically your thoughts and feelings are connected to your actions and therefore that's going to determine your results. So if I can run my feelings through this model, I can sometimes quickly change my thinking, which helps my confidence and my output and the result. So feel free to reach out to me if you want to learn more about that model because it's a little bit, there's a formula to it and it's a little bit, you know, a lot to explain, but it really does help and it really does work. And so this is something that can be helpful if you do have those feelings inside. But another thing that I do is whenever I'm feeling this way is to grab sticky notes and to write affirmations for myself. I will stop and read them. I keep them posted where I can have access to them. I make myself read them, and it does help. I will also try and screenshot or write down any positive words or feedback that I receive from others or from teachers, because that right there is a reminder that I'm doing a great job and a great work out there and that I am seen, and it reminds me that I am enough. So definitely find your people who you can share your good, your bad, and your ugly with. Question seven is from Heather, and she asks, okay, this is, <laughs> this is a fun one. She asks, well, there's a few questions on here. Who is your celebrity crush? Favorite sports team? Favorite food? Favorite color? Favorite animal? So this is a fun question. Thank you for this, Heather. A recent crush of mine would be Jesse Williams, who played Jackson on Grey's Anatomy. I guess over time, I've had a few crushes here and there on a lot of people, but he would be one, I guess a more recent one that popped into my mind first. So hey, Jesse, if you're listening. Uh, he's not, but you know, whatever. Okay, and another longtime crush would be David Beckham. So I used to have his calendars posted in my room in high school. And I literally started playing soccer just to have something in common with him. So he would be my other longtime crush. So Jesse and David, for sure. Okay, my favorite sports team. So I never grew up in just one place. So I never had a favorite team that I was just a diehard fan for outside of college, go Vols. But for professional sports, I started loving the Patriots because I took a liking to Aaron Hernandez, don't judge me. I'm just being real here. I took a liking to him. I don't judge what he does, what he did. And I became a fan and I would literally root for them always, even till this day. I just, you know, I go for the Patriots. So that is, I guess, my favorite sports team. Favorite food would be Korean, hands down, sushi. I could eat either of those every single day. Favorite color is green, all shades of green. I do not discriminate. I just love the color green. And favorite animal would be a white tiger. I once tried saving money in high school to buy a white tiger that I wanted to domesticate and have as a pet. I was super determined and even took double shifts at Wendy's where I worked in high school and I worked overtime for extra money 
But instead, I put the money toward my first car, which obviously was the better purchase. But um, yeah, that's what I did. And that's that's my favorite animal, white tiger. I love this question so much. This next question, number eight, we are on is from Paloma. And she asks, did you always want to be a teacher? What degrees do you hold? So Paloma, I did. As a child, I always took an interest in younger kids, anyone younger than me. And I loved to babysit and I would do anything that related back to kids. And when going to college, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I also visited the law school department and the business college because I knew that they would make more money. But I literally sat in those interest meetings and knew that my heart belonged in education. So I ended up going to that department to hear the information I needed and to get all signed up. So I attended the University of Tennessee where I obtained my bachelor's in early childhood education, and I also got my master's degree in curriculum and instruction with an emphasis in reading. And later, I got my education specialist degree, and I got that degree in curriculum as well with a reading endorsement attached to that. So I started my career teaching B12, which is bridge first and second grade combo classes where the kids looped up to three years, And then I taught kindergarten, then I got moved to second grade, then I got moved to fourth grade, then I became a literacy specialist on my campus, and I taught K through five in small groups for reading intervention. I then became certified to teach dyslexia for reading readiness and basic language skills and added that into my services on campus. And that is actually the last role I did in Texas before moving to Tennessee. So that's just a little bit of the background that I hold within my degrees and what I was teaching. And yes, I always wanted to be a teacher. And now I get the opportunity to support teachers and students all over the world, which I love. And I just consider myself to be forever an educator, forever a teacher. Question number nine is from Lana. And she asks, what is on your TV, Netflix, Hulu lineup right now? So I love these questions because I feel like you can learn a lot about a person based on what they watch. You can learn a lot about a person, but don't judge me for what I'm watching. So here goes. I love watching The First 48 and different crime or murder shows like that, anything on A&E or Investigation Discovery. I just really like shows. I've taken an interest in homicides and being able to find victims killers in a way of finding them justice. So that's what I like to watch. I also have been blessed with a small crew of ladies that I get to watch shows with. Hi, Eileen and Allison. We literally will watch The Bachelor, Love is Blind, Married at First Sight, Selling Sunset, all at the same time, and we will discuss them very, very frequently. So I have other shows that I watch on Netflix and Hulu, but those are the basics that I watch now. I do watch Grey's Anatomy, All-American, Teen Mom, documentary, stuff like that when I have extra time. I was also a very avid watcher of Mari. I was very committed to that show after work, but there are no new episodes. Boo! So that's what I watch. Okay. Last question, number 10, what is your Enneagram type? Do you think that it's accurate? And this is a question from Patricia. 
I am a two wing three and I do feel that it's accurate for me. Two is the helper and three is the achiever. And I definitely love to help others and almost to a fault of not achieving my own goals. But I do think up many ideas and I dream big and I'm driven to accomplish them. So I do feel that I am a true two wing three. Yes, accurate for me. Okay, so those are my 10 questions. However, there was another question in the mix. And when I saw it, I really liked it. I did not pull it this time, but I want to answer it anyway. So this one is going to be from Joni. I literally had it written down in the case that I didn't pull it, which I didn't. But Joni, thank you so much for your question. Here is the bonus question that Joni asked. She asked me, what projects are you working on in 2022? I want to answer this question because in a way, it's a form of accountability. I have learned that if I share something with others, it holds me to following through and actually doing it because I said it in front of so many people. So here it goes in 2022. I am, one, working on conferences, working on different presentations that I'm doing at conferences, but that has also kind of put me into the zone of creating some special professional development opportunities that I would like to do for teachers. So that is something else that I'm going to be working on this year is putting on virtual teacher PD opportunities. So let me ask you all, like if I did this, would you be interested in it? I really, really want to know. So um, if this is something that you are interested in, please send me a message and let me know. Something else that I'm working on that I'm really excited about is I'm working on a summer program for kids. I love kids. I love teaching. And a fun program is in the works that will begin this summer, but it's going to continue throughout various breaks in a school year. I am super excited about it, and I don't have all the details ironed out just yet, but I can share that I'm going to be offering live teaching sessions on reading and writing for kids via Zoom, and I am pumped about it. I'm pumped to be able to connect with kids while their teachers are on break. So if you have a child or if you have students who can benefit, be sure to follow me on Instagram so you don't miss the updates and information once I share it because it is a live teaching scenario, there are going to be limited seats available due to it being live. And I just need to keep my class size kind of small, but I am thrilled about offering this service to parents. So follow me, let me know if you're interested in that. And then in 2022, I'm also just working on more literacy content to help you teach skills and strategies to your students working on reading and working on writing. So I have some just new content resource ideas that I want to roll out in back to school season. So thank you, Joni, for that question. And thank you all for listening to my bonus question. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. It was great for me to just have a relaxing episode this week. As this entire week, I just want it to be easygoing and fun since it's my birthday week. In fact, I'm going to be doing a giveaway. I want to see who can get bingo on a bingo board that I created. You will be able to find the bingo board on social media or you can find the link to this bingo board in the show notes and it's going to have clickable links that's going to make it easy to get right to the tasks on that board. 
All you have to do is complete the items on the board for a chance to win an Amazon gift card, a Target gift card, a TPT gift card, or you can get a credit to my TPT store. There are going to be three winners, and you will have your choice of the prize that you want. Now, I'm going to run this contest now until April 29th, and I will randomly select winners on April 30th, and you will be contacted. So you can enter by getting bingo, just five in a row, and you can also get five extra entries if you complete a blackout board. You will need to screenshot or take a picture of your bingo board, cross off the items completed with a marker, or you can do it digitally, and you are going to have to send it to me. Now, for this, we are just playing by the honor system here. You will email me your board to megan at theliteracydive.com, or you can send me a DM at theliteracydive with your bingo board for entry. Post the bingo board to your stories and tag me for two additional entries. I will submit all of the entries into Rafflecopter and I will then select the winners. So again, if you do five in a row, you get one entry. If you do blackout, you get five extra entries. So that is six total. And then if you post your board to your Instagram stories and tag me, you can get two additional entries, and that is a total of eight opportunities that you can get to win one of these gift cards. But again, the bare minimum is five in a row, gets you an entry, and you can email that to me or send me a DM with your completed bingo board showing how you got bingo, and then you will be entered into my giveaway and contacted on April 30th. If you win, I will also share the results to my stories. Next week, I am diving into summer supports and ways that you can help prevent the summer slide for your students, so you are going to leave with some easy ideas to implement. Join me next Monday to hear them. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram, at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.